you know, when people struggle with things that come up in, in life, right, whether it be obstacles or even success or things like that in that nature, the person writing it, the author of it said that um, when, when you see them fail or when you see them crumble, you just know that they didn't take the right classes growing up. Mm. And he, he said that every, as a parent, your job is to create experiences that are similar, like taking a course to mimic the things that they're going to experience as much as you possibly can, mm. right? So they need a class in, in obstacles. They need a class in how to win right. They need a class in all these different things yeah. and experiences that you create for them that may be hard for you to watch them go through, but you want to make sure they pass the class mm. because when they get into life, like this is going to be their true test. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. I'm Janelle. And I'm Eddie. And we're the Copelands. We are entrepreneurs, parents, business and life coaches. Lifelong learners is so much more. On this podcast, we share some of our best and worst experiences. <laughs> From raising kids to building businesses or having a career you always dreamt of, we tackle it all. And all the funny moments in between. Look, life can be a challenge and sometimes you just need the right friends to help you push through. Pushing you to the right mindset and perspective that shifts life in your favor. So if you're like us and you're always looking to grow, laugh, and dream big, this is the place for you. So get ready to be pushed. Hey, and welcome back to the Push Podcast. I beat you. Wow. <laughs> welcome to the Push Podcast. That is so good. You looked at me, gave me the sign, and then you spoke before me. Yeah, you know, I, I, I couldn't wait. Well, My, you know what? You do it from now on. You know what? I, you know, I think I that's, that's going to be a good change. Hello. Welcome, everyone. This is Eddie from the Push Podcast, and uh, I will be your co-host. With Sitting across from me is a lovely lady. What is your name? Janelle Copeland. Janelle Copeland. Welcome to the Push Podcast. I'm How not a guest. Oh. I'm a co-host, you fool. <laughs> oh, my God. What is happening? No, I was welcoming the people. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, so. Not the, the lovely lady across from you. Well, I'm welcoming uh, what you What is happening right now? <laughs> okay. Um, well, happy to be here as a guest of yours. Uh, <laughs> I have a what in the world other than what you just did to me right now. Okay, what's your what in the world? You ready? Besides you being mean to me all day today. I have not been yeah, mean to you, you today. you have been coarse. Coarse? Yeah. That's not true. Yeah. I don't even know what coarse means, to be <laughs> it honest. It's rough. But... It means... Oh, coarse as in rough. Okay. Uh -huh. um, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a what in the world for you. I saw this okay. thing. I took a screenshot. I thought it would be a great poll to take on the podcast. So tell me, tell listen me up. It. Ready? I can't wait. So your friend takes you to a casino and gives you $50 to gamble with them. Okay. You win $100,000. Okay. How much do you give them? A, $50,000. Okay. So that's half of it. B, 50 bucks. That's what they gave you. Uh -huh. C, a thousand. Uh -huh. D, nothing. Mm. So true story, this actually happened to me. To you? To me, yeah. So I was like <laughs> early 20s. I'll give him a thousand bucks. Yeah, early 20s. <laughs> uh -huh. And my mom and dad and my sister, we all went on a cruise. And my mom wanted to go gamble. And I was like, no, I'm like early 20s. I'm not going to waste my money on gambling. Like I was just way too fiscally responsible to go drop 20, 50 bucks. Right. Right. And so I said no. And uh, my dad like slips me 50 bucks and he goes, go spend some time with your mom and gamble. So 
I sit down next to her and, you know, we're kind of, you know, she's excited to do this. She has more money than me at the time. Right. Uh-huh. And so uh, I want to say, I'm not joking you three minutes in, I won like a couple hundred bucks and I was like, cash out. I'm out. <laughs> so, but this is a lot of money. Like right. somebody gives you 50 bucks. Let's say it's your cousin. Right. Right. And you win a hundred thousand, like all the sirens go off in the casino. You win a hundred thousand dollars and your cousin's like, bro, that was my 50 bucks. Right. What do you give them? A 50 grand B 50 bucks back. C a thousand D nothing. I'm gonna give a thousand and I'm gonna give a thousand because they gave me 50 bucks, Mm -hmm. but their 50 bucks wasn't my luck. The, my my luck was my luck. I you did brought, that. I did that, right? Did and that. especially it depends on the game you're playing. Now, if you're playing like poker or something, I probably won't give them anything because that's like a strategic game, right? Like you them, actually did that. Right. So I'll probably give them back 50 bucks. Okay. Because right? they gave me that 50 bucks. But if it was like roulette or something and mm-hmm. it was like a just a dumb luck, yeah, I'm going to give you a thousand bucks and keep pushing. And you think that's fair? It's not a question about fair. It's not? No. It's okay. it's it's more of a question of um uh, I, I guess I guess it, for lack of a better word, it would be yeah, it's fair. It's reasonable. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um but you know, I mean, would you expect someone to to, to break you off, you know, half of the would their winnings? Honestly, it's tough. If I give you 50 bucks just to like hang out with me so that way you've and, got something to do. You lose a thousand And that you night. win $100,000, like you wouldn't have won that without my 50 bucks. Yeah. But in my case, like my situation, which is the same, I was like, I also wouldn't have been gambling. Somebody else would have won it and they wouldn't have shared it with you. Right. And, and it didn't come up that I needed to pay back, but I definitely gave my dad back his money, probably, mm. and then some. Yeah. It was like a couple hundred bucks. I'm, you know, 20-something years old. But if I'm grown today and give my friend 50 bucks, right. and they win 100,000, I'm a little pissed. <laughs> not, like, not like mad that they won, but like, oh, you better take care of me. Right. Like, we better go to a really amazing dinner. Like, oh, you yeah. better I mean, treat the, whole, the rest of the time. The whole weekend time. is on me now, right? Okay. And so I think, you know, it depends on how how um, giving I feel. Like, you know, if I feel like I'm in a giving spirit, maybe I give, you know, 10 grand is a lot. It's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, so did, this was posted on an did, account on social media. <laughs> there were 6,378 responses. Some people were like, well, I will wait till, you know, like claim it after taxes, then give them half of what's left. Like that's very strategic and responsible, right? Some people are like, well, it might be it might be a good idea to establish the expectations before you take the money and because it, it will turn into a nightmare, potentially, depending on who you're doing it with. Right. Right. I mean, and I think that that's that's a lot of hindsight. Right. Right. You no know, one's going to be like, hey, 50 bucks. And just say, just in case, you know, if I win. Yeah. Now, if you are. And a- other people said, you're right. Like, listen, $50 had no stipulations on it. So this is my money fair and square. Right. Here's your 50. <laughs> right. So it's just so funny um, because I don't know. It's just like. I don't know. I think it kind of triggers like I would be being 100 percent honest. I'd be a little bit like "Mm." Marcella gave me scratchers for Christmas. And she said, just so you know, if you win that jackpot, we're splitting it. (laughs) 
I was like, oh, I thought this was my Christmas present, right? So, really, so, so she had the stipulations, <laughs> right? Well, can, can we just break that down a little bit? Because that really means that that I'm only giving you this because I know you're not going to win. Because I hope we win. Well, either I know you're not going to win, or okay. if you do win, it's really both our gift. Right. Because the gift is supposed to be the opportunity uh -huh. to win. Right. Right? Not So you're saying she you shouldn't have said that to me. Right. <laughs> That by itself, Marcella, I hope you're listening. I know just her saying that is just wrong. Yeah. Right. Well, someone said, give them $10,000, which is 200 times the $50 they gave me. So they're being all that's, like, and I thought 10 grand was okay. That's yeah. a, that's more than mm -hmm. fair. Yeah. Right. I think so. So I, I don't know. Like it's tough. I think a lot of friendships would be lost with that win. Well, what would you give? You would give a thousand. Yeah, I would give a thousand, but you didn't give me another option. I gave the most besides half. I'm mm -hmm. not giving you half. Okay. Well, I said I said fifty thousand, fifty dollars, a thousand, or nothing. Right. So I said a yeah. thousand. Okay. If you would have said ten thousand, I would have said ten. Okay. So. Wow. So you're gonna give ten thousand dollars away. Right. Okay. I just curious, how would you feel about that? Like, okay. If oh, okay. So I, you and Lamont, let's yeah, say and you I'm and like, Lamont. Oh, honey, I want ten. Right. I want a hundred thousand dollars. But then you gave ten thousand away. Right. How, how you feel about I that? I think all wives listening would be like, <laughs> did you discuss this with me? <laughs> so it always comes down to like the come up. Like it wasn't right. my money to be mad about and managing as the wife, but also like we could pay a mortgage off with that. Right. Right. But, he, <laughs> but, but as soon as it gets to a place where you're giving it away, there should be a discussion had. Well, I mean, I'd like to say yes, but. It's the heat of the moment. Yeah. Oh my God, I just won $100,000. And you look at your cousin and you're just like, with the 50 bucks I gave you? Yeah. How yeah. would you feel, though, if it was the $50 you gave Lamont? Oh, I wouldn't care. You wouldn't care. Because no. I'm not thinking about like this $50, this particular $50. I have, if I gave him 50, then I have yeah. another 50. Well, nobody's thinking about. Right. But I'm saying like, I'm not, I'm not the type that's going to be thinking, you won my money. Or you don't have to I'm be Jesus right now, I'm Edward Copeland. I'm just saying I'm responsible for your win. No, I'm not going to think about that. It'd be nice if you gave me a lo little something, pay for the rest of the weekend, mm -hmm. maybe you know, our hotel, whatever is going on. That would be fantastic. I probably would say, hey, no, nah, you pay for everything now. Like, I'd right. probably be upfront about that. Uh -huh. And I'm like, you should at least give me something. Yeah. <laughs> so he buys you a $1,000 bottle of tequila, which you don't even drink and you don't even want. No, no. I, yeah, I, I don't want the tequila. No. I, I'll give me a $10,000 watch. I'm oh, good. my God. So you do want something. It's not like you're saying, ah, oh, it was only 50 bucks. Nice. I got more. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset by it if they said, mm. this is all my money. But I would be in, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you one selfish son of a bitch. I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> so there it comes out. Okay. No, I'm just saying. I so you be don't mad. have stipulations, but you mad, would be. But I would be thinking, you are one selfish person. You don't, you want a hundred thousand with the fifty I gave oh, you. Oh, so you really are mad. No, it's no, no, coming no. out because you just said. I hope you guys got that. <laughs> you, ah, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't no, matter. I'm, I'm just saying, if he said no, I'm keeping this hundred thousand. I'm like, whatever. But which are you just saying? Are you saying that you should be entitled? Half-heartedly and jokingly, yeah. I would make jokes and I would call him selfish, and I'd be like, man, I gave you that fifty. But at the end of the day, so you would still manipulate if he, it. If he didn't want to help me, didn't want to help me. If he didn't want to give yeah. me any money, I'd be like, eh, whatever. Yeah, I'm calling money. Lamont as soon as we're done with this. Call him. <laughs> I know him so so well. He would. He, would he, he give you any money? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> 
And I think his <laughs> wife might be mad if he won a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I think so. Without a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I think she'd be mad. Nakia, I think you'd be mad. Yeah, you'd be like, uh, yeah, we gotta talk this over. Right, right. Yeah, but I, I probably would call Nakia first and say, I just want to let you know, I gave your husband, your husband, fifty dollars, and he won a hundred thousand. Right. Pause. So, so then <laughs> so, she'd so. be like, Eddie, thank you so much. This is life changing money for us. I know. I'd be like, uh huh, and. <laughs> so you do feel, I do feel that there should be some sort of compensation. But if I give you a five dollar scratcher for Christmas. And then I say, it. by the way, if you win, I want half of it. Is that fair? That's a no. No, it's a gift. <laughs> it's a gift. But $50 in the casino was a gift. Yeah, but it, it's like real time. Mm. You can scratch that scratcher off at any point. Oh, it, my it's gosh. It's so random. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I think if I won in the heat of the moment, it would be a celebration. And, and like if they, you know, if they paid you in cash and mm. it was in 10,000 increments, mm -hmm. I'd be like... Here. Oh my gosh! And like, I gotta call my wife and tell her I won ninety thousand dollars. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, don't tell me about the hundred thousand. Okay, this reminds me of uh, somehow I don't even know how, but Eddie's usually in charge of the television, and right. so I just kind of am a spectator. I sit down on the couch, whatever he I'm puts the on. Yeah, you are. And so the other night, you put on botched. For some reason, they're yeah. having these awful like surgeries and stuff. And, you know, I just kind of sat there. We had commentary on it. Like some people are literally wild. Like yeah. the, the surgeries they have, I just have no clue why. What makes I can't you do believe, this? I mean, like we talk about, I, I cannot believe these people walk the same planet we walk. Yeah. Like, they, they are alien to me. Some like, of them. Some, some of, them of them genuinely had bad surgeries 100%. and it's an awful story. So one of these uh, surgeries, this poor woman and all four, so it's like four daughters in this family, they all have nose jobs at some point mm -hmm. in their adulthood. And this one girl, uh, the youngest sister, went to wherever the oldest sister went because she loved her nose and they botched her nose surgery. So it's awful. Like she was just really self-conscious about it. So she goes on the show botch. She hires these doctors. They revise it. And during the surgery, the doctor leaves and goes out and talks to another sister mm -hmm. and says, so we have a little problem and I need you to make a decision. If I keep your sister's nose the way it is, it's good enough. But if you give me approval, I will put like basically cuts down the side of her nose her and now I'll make her nostrils smaller. But the problem is she'll have a little scarring and she'll have incisions on the outside of her nose. And so I need to know, like, if you think that that's a good, does she want smaller nostrils? Would she appreciate this? Or what do you want me to do? Literally in the middle of the surgery, he asks the sister to make a decision. Right. So we pause it and I immediately say, I would never, ever want to know if you made a decision <laughs> like that, that catastrophic based on my looks. Right. Like, I just do not tell me that the doctor gave you the option. Make the choice. Don't let anyone tell me because why we have a history together and you ruin all of my orders. Any food that you've ever ordered from me is always wrong. So I automatically get triggered and think right. oh he's gonna order the wrong nose for me <laughs> like you're going to mess it up at okay, some point I just... and i don't ever want to have okay. the authority to blame that on you i i no, and i don't want that kind of responsibility i, don't I mean immediately you. i would say you know what you are the professional 
You do what's best. No, I need you to make a decision. You're her husband. I need so you to decide. What do you think is going to look better, doctor? I think this will be better, but she might okay. be upset. I'm going because, with you. you okay. said better. Okay. Do not, under right. any circumstance, let me know that you were involved in that decision. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. What if you love it? Either way, I'll have to love it because it's better than what I had. But I don't want to know that you made a decision like that okay. for me. So then you said, okay, well, who would you trust to make that decision? Right. So, yeah, as you listen to this, like, think about if you went to have cosmetic surgery mm -hmm. and, and you're, you're asleep, you're, you're sedated, they've got you in anesthesia, and someone's got to make a decision on a particular specific detail or characteristic mm -hmm. that will, you will see when you wake up, and it's pretty much permanent, right. right? Who do you want making that decision? So you said... I, he was like, I'm going to call your sisters. I was like, which, which one? I was like, oh, okay, well, I can call Jess, okay, and then I can call Rich. But I, I was like, I don't know if Jess would want to make that decision. Right. I was like, well, she's the nurse out of the two, right? right? And you were like, yeah, but could she make a quick decision? I'm like, true. But my sister Richland's a little reckless, so she might be like, <laughs> oh, yeah, chop it up. She'll love it. Like, she's all in on whatever kind of enhancements, right? right. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, do it. Right. And then I still wouldn't want to know about that. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. That was just a funny thing. I don't know. But randomly, my other girlfriend, Drea, was like, oh, my God, have you ever seen this show botched? And I'm like, yeah, we were binging it last right. night. Why are you watching? It's not like it's a new show, right? It's a I new think it, season. I think it just, I think it just started uh, coming mm. on Netflix. You know, like Netflix oh, okay. is like this place where like things get rediscovered. Mm. All of a sudden, people start watching botched or yeah. I think suits or something like that. Mm. We've never watched that. But yeah, so that was been our, our little guilty pleasure at night, uh, making fun of, not making fun, yeah, we're making fun of people, it was bad. Well, yeah. you're more of a maker funner than I am. I'm just making jokes, you know? Oh, These no. people are on TV. Like they the guy that went out. through $100,000 in plastic surgery, like seven, eight different surgeries to look like Justin Bieber. Yeah, Only he problem is he, he's like six, five, right, and he deserves 30 something to be years a, old. The butt of jokes, right? He just <laughs> deserves it. You know, another person also deserves it is the guy who had, uh, and people, this is crazy. If you go on Netflix, you, you got to watch this. This guy had mul multiple, multiple surgeries mm. to build his body. So mm -hmm. he's got implants for his biceps his shoulders like he literally just Put said i'm gonna get really in. skinny and then i'm just gonna i'm just gonna insert Put muscle or you know fake, fake muscles yeah fake muscles uh, as implants yeah that is ridiculous yeah he said i'm a full-time house husband and i just want to look like a human doll right and so like I'm wondering if um, these quad muscles that i've designed if you guys can build them and put them inside of right. my legs and you were like, just go to the gym, bro. Yeah, just go to the gym. But I mean, why? This is so much easier to it's have not fake real. muscles. Yeah, you don't really actually, like, and it looks bad. Yeah. So, yeah. so many things. So that's a lot of what in the world. But that has been <laughs> there you go. the place we've been. I have a something. little bit more, and then we're going to dive into today, to today's episode, which is about, like, soon to be solo. Um, and I'll tell you why I'll get to that in a second, but really quick, a book that I'm reading right now, a show, speaking of shows that I never really got into was friends mm. and Matthew Perry just passed away. People are really mourning him. And yeah. so I did notice that, um, I downloaded the Britney Spears book, which came out like last week and I listened to it and I was like, okay, I get it now. And there's a lot of things in here, um, but should we have freed Britney? Like, I don't know, because I do think that there's something a little off and she needs some help or support or something. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. OK, so then Matthew Perry, though, when he passes, 
his book shoots up to number one, the number one memoir. And I was like, I'm just curious to see like a little bit more about this actor. He has had the most mesmerizing battle with addiction. And I was completely enthralled in this book. And so now I want to watch Friends. But I got a little teary eyed the last like 10 minutes of the episode. He's been in and out of rehab. He said by the time he was 40, he had spent literally half of his life on earth in a rehab facility. That is crazy. In and out of rehab 65 different times. And and you said one thing that just shocked me is that he, at one point he was taking 55 pills yeah. a day. So he said that he had an alcohol addiction, which is interesting um, because when he was six years old, his dad used to come home from work and he'd sit, you know, make himself a double gin and tonic or vodka tonic, whatever, sit down next to him, put his arm around him and be like, this is the best thing that's happened to me all day. And he would watch him drink it. And so Matthew was like, wow, I can't wait to have the best thing that's happened to me all day. Like, and you, yeah. th- you don't think about the conditioning you put in your kids. Right. Yeah. And so when he was 14, he was like, I want to see what happens. And right. so he downed like a six pack of beers with some buddies. And he was like, my dad was right. It was the best thing that's happened to me all day. Like it yeah. numbs you, you're inebriated. And so that sparked a lifelong addiction to alcohol. That's, that's isn't that bananas? It is, and you know, it, it's it's sad, and it's like a light thing that his his dad did. But one of the things that we talk to the girls about is not to glorify alcohol, mm-hmm. right? And, and I'm not saying that we don't drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying like it's bad, but I do think that you know when you glorify it as like this, you know this is the best thing that's happened to me all day mm-hmm. that resonates. Or right? when you tell your five-year-old to go to the fridge and bring you a beer, right. like I just don't think that that's a good thing to instill in them. But then he says like, you know, the drug addiction didn't start till after he was already on friends. He was uh, starring in a movie with Salma Hayek and he hurt himself on a jet ski right before they filmed the last uh, like take of the whole movie. Right. Spoiler alert. And so, well, (laughs) you want to read the book, this goes back. You just spoiled it with the 55 pills. So, so he hurts himself on the jet ski. And then the doctor says, shoot the last, you know, of the movie. And as soon as you're done with the scene, take this one pill. And he hands him like a little bag, a little baggie with one solid pill in it. And so he's, he takes the pill and he explained that it was like warm honey, just taking over your body. And wow. from that point on, he literally said, I didn't know that that one pill would spark a three decade long addiction and that just a year later, a year and a half later, I would be consuming 55 of those pills a day. That's 180 milligrams a day of opioids. Yeah. Like so bananas. Is, I mean, it is. So I, I saw him on a, a an interview that he did, um, which I thought was really interesting. And so it, it looked like he was debating uh, this gentleman. And the guy was basically telling him that, uh, you know, addiction is a, is a, is a choice, mm-hmm. right? And Matthew Perry was talking about, he, you know, talking about the science and, and how, what it does to your brain. And, and he says, no close, no way near a, 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 choice. a choice. He said, the thing about it was, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you know, the first taste, yes, it's a choice. Mm. But he said, a person like me, 
if I make that choice, the decision to, uh, as far as having another drink or another pill is no longer in my control anymore. Mm. Like I'm not in control of that anymore. And that's a tough thing because I think, uh, you know, I think there's a group, there's a, there's a, two groups in this, right? So there's the group that believes what the gentleman was saying, hey, this is a choice. You just have to make a consistent choice every single day not to do it. Mm-hmm. And, then there's the, and then there's a group that says, hey, you know what, science says that like, you know, this is an addiction. There's a pool, there's a drag, you need actual help and support. Yeah. My question is just like, you know, after reading that, do you feel like that he had a choice? No. I feel like he had this never ending story of like that stemmed from his childhood of abandonment, uh, unworthiness, never being enough. And like kind of like people would find out that you're not good enough. And so, you know, couple that with some of the things that he started dabbling in. He just couldn't get away from it. And so he said, I could be sober until something happened. Mm. So anytime there was a setback, because he didn't have that resilience built into him and that confidence to know like, hey, I'm going to survive this. It was, okay, I have to turn to drugs and alcohol just to subside how I'm feeling right now. So it was like a choice in the beginning of just numbing. Mm -hmm. And then I think you lose control over that and you're just like, it's your go-to kind of coping mechanism. You start chasing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that once your brain unlocks, like Dope Sick was one of the shows that we watched. I was completely enthralled in that show. Like addiction has run in my family. And so like watching that gave me a really good understanding of like the chemicals are actually altering your brain. And then you're spending the rest of your life searching for that one high again that like yeah. got you the first time. So I, I have a different understanding of it now. And I do think that in some cases, like you can't. You, you can't fight it. Like mm-hmm. it, the pool is too strong. The drug is too strong. It's altered you chemically and now you need it. Yeah. He talked about like going through all of these different um, detoxes. Like every time you go to rehab and at one point he was like, going through detox is so painful. I don't wish it on anyone. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, if you know that that's the most painful thing you've ever done, why would you stop? Yeah. Like, like there's why? No, there's, not, there's the only reward but why I was to say the pleasure in stopping, there is no pleasure. No, I mean, it's, nothing it, pleasurable. It's just getting back to a state in which you can function uh, without drugs, but also maybe, obviously, drugs impact your family. They mm-hmm. impact your work. And then, you know, he mentioned that he was able to preserve his work. But, you know, I don't know if that's 100% true, right? Because you think about, I think people think about, you know, especially when they're looking at like, hey, I had an addiction, but I was able to preserve my work. But what would you have done or mm-hmm. could have accomplished without yeah. it, right? And yeah. so the the gap of or the unknowing part of the path that would have been taken is unknown, right? Yeah. And so, and he could have been even more successful and could have taken on more roles. Well, he does it. know that. Yeah. I don't think it preserved his work. I think the public didn't necessarily know all of this, but right. I don't think it. I don't think he thought that it preserved his work. Yeah. But anyways, it's a great read. Go listen to it, whether you are a fan or not. I mean, RIP Matthew Perry. I thought it was a really great read. Sorry. I was trying. So diving into what we're actually talking about today, I think this episode's going to be like kind of two parts. Um, I recently was asked to speak at a women's group. Uh, there were about 40 women there, and I was asked to speak about 
like the season of becoming an empty nester. Like how do you prepare for it? What do you do after you reach it? What do you do to like lead up to it? And so, you know, I got to put together whatever I wanted to talk about. And I created like a checklist of <laughs> things that I think you should do to kind of like prepare that you could do whether your kids are five years old, 10 years old, or getting ready to enter high school or go away to college. And so I wanted to kind of chat about that. But then the conversation at the event that I spoke at, I also um, right after like you as parents preparing to be empty nesters, I went into like the responsibility of what skills you need to teach and instill in your kids before you actually let them fly the nest. Mm. And so that's going to be the follow up episode is like, what skills do you wish that you would have learned as a kid that would have shaved off so much time from your learning journey? Right. Right. Or what things have you done to recognize in your kids before you send them off to the world that like they need to learn? So we'll talk about that in the next episode. But this one's called soon to be solo mm. kind of like han solo i guess like oh. strategies for the next chapter star wars action there huh? um <laughs> and i do think that the transition going into like becoming an empty nester can be tricky right i don't even like that word by the way empty nester but everyone's using it and so i just keep using it what, what do you how do you feel about that empty nester yeah uh, I, I just mean, kind of felt like i would never get there what, what do you i think mean? you just like we say oh we have adult children like right. we have adult kids yeah I don't say like, oh, we're empty nesters. But yeah, no, I. Yeah. most people say that to me. It's not part of my normal um, <laughs> So <laughs> what do you call yourself, a cool dad? No, I just say, you know, we... We, we know, have adult children. We have adult children. Um, we have an empty house. Yeah. But yeah. So some things that I think you can do regardless, again, like how old your kids are. Um, I think that like Michelle Obama, uh, Baraka did an interview and he said that something to the effect of like your job as parents is to raise children that are able to be independent and self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. And so I think like that's kind of my first tip is embrace and celebrate all of the different changes and seasons that you're going to go through with your kids and understand that like your role is going to always evolve as a parent with them, right? Yeah. They need different things from you when they're uh, babies obviously they can't do anything without you they need different things when they're toddlers they need a little bit of freedom when they're teenagers right they need different tastes of what the world is going to give them and so I think um, like understanding that your job is to raise yeah. independent children that can grow into something of their own is your main focus should yeah. be your main focus and I, and I read this this um, it wasn't a quote but it was this thought that said that um, you know, when people struggle with things that come up in, in life, right, whether it be obstacles or even success or things like that in that nature, the person writing it, the author of it said that um, when, when you see them fail or when you see them crumble, you just know that they didn't take the right classes growing up. Mm. And he, he said that every as a parent, your job is to create experiences that are similar, like taking a course to mimic the things that they're going to experience as much as you possibly can, mm -hmm. right? So they need a class in, in obstacles. They need a class in how to win right. They need a class in all these different things yeah. and experiences that you create for them that may be hard for you to watch them go through, but you want to make sure they pass the class mm -hmm. because when they get into life, like this is going to be their true test, right? And so 
I thought it was just a really good way to to, to frame it and think yeah. about that from the standpoint of like the classes they need to take, right? Do they, are they going to pass it? Yeah, I think that's so good. And I think in the next episode, I want you to bring that up again because that would be like a master class, like mm-hmm. checklist that you would have to make sure, well, they're five years old. I better teach them this, right? Right, right. I feel like we actually need some sort of guidebook to be good parents and make sure that if this is the thing that we keep in mind, you know, I have to raise good humans that will be able to be self-sufficient and independent, then you should have a checklist. Right. Like, and, and I did create the checklist, but <laughs> I think it's something that should be a prerequisite. So, yeah. um, you know, for us, as far as parents, I think one thing that we did really good was we were looking forward to celebrating the change, like trying to use positive language, explaining to the kids like this is a big transition year for our family, like you guys are transitioning to college or adulthood or graduating from college and dad and I are going to be able to date again. Right. Mm-hmm. Like telling them that we were OK to celebrate this change um, again kind of goes back to like how you're framing change with your kids when they're small. Right. Right. The next thing is I think you need to stay connected to your kids, but I think you need to know that the role shifts drastically. Like, mm-hmm. how would you say that it's shifted since, you know, like with the kids one by one going off to college? Like, how does our role change? I have my perception, but what's yours? Um, I think that the, the shift goes from having control over their life to a certain extent mm-hmm. to zero control but more or less trying to influence as much as possible to help them and guide them to um, to making the right decisions, right? Yeah. Because the one thing I think about is the decisions they have to make every day, mm-hmm. right? And I always think to myself, and I randomly think these things is like, I wonder what decisions they're making in these instances, mm-hmm. right? And these decisions that they're going to make and choices that they make will dictate their whole life. And so... I think anytime I'm around them, I'm still trying to shape the discernment they need to have to make mm-hmm. really good decisions. Yeah. And so I, my, I think our role, from my perspective, is we're influencers mm-hmm. on, on them. And now we've moved to this kind of mentorship mm-hmm. and, and not so much the parenting, which is more control. Yeah. So mine is like you go from a caretaker to an advisor. Mm-hmm. So kind of the same. More like, hey, I want to give you this advice, what, what you do with it is up to you because I trust that you're going to make good choices. Right. And so being open to the fact that like your kids still need you, but they need you in a different capacity, your role changes, um, which I think leads into number three, which is your job now becomes to offer support, not control. Right. And like when you were leaving the house, did your mom try to control you still? No. And, and I think my mom's, I think when I look back, she didn't try to control me um, when, as I was in, as a, getting into my teenage years. Mm-hmm. Um, she even talked to me about the fact that she said, now all I can do is just be, guard, be a guide for you and be, give you guardrails. Yeah. And so I think that that um, in some way impacted me to, say, to have the autonomy to make my own decisions mm-hmm. and have confidence in those decisions. But I also now like think back in like, you know, we could talk about this next time too, but when your kids look back and they're getting ready to do something, but they're looking back at you at a young age, wanting you to make the decision in what direction, like there's a time, that's a moment where you can have a class where you say, you pick, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that that autonomy is super important. Yeah, I agree with you for sure. Um, one of the concepts that I shared with the women at this, um, you know, little speech that I gave was 
that I think that as parents, you should always be setting new goals. But when you become an empty nester or leading up to it, I think it's time for you to set new goals for yourself. Like we're always looking to uh, be proud of our kids. You know, we tell them to put themselves out there and shoot for the stars and do all of that stuff. But I posed to the women at this, you know, talk that I gave, like, when was the last time you actually made your kids proud? Mm -hmm. When was the last time you made a pivot in your career or you went back to school or you earned your degree or changed careers or did something to expand or learn a new skill set? And I think that setting personal goals is something that you should always be in pursuit of to lead by example. But maybe now you have time to do that. And I think that that's something to focus on um, that's really important so that your kids look back and they see that you're not crumbling without them. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. Um, The next thing is cultivating relationships. Like I think now I'm in a position where I don't have to take the kids into consideration. And so I get to reconnect not only with you and have like deeper date nights and we get to have so much fun, but I also get to prioritize like my friendships or work on making new connections or even like giving back, right? Giving my time to support a local charity or doing something that I wasn't able to do when I was raising kids. Um, So now that you've got time to pour into others, like, you know, set new goals around that and work on cultivating relationships. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when you're, when you're raising kids, like many of the relationships you have are based on the kids. Like you become friends with the kids proximity pa- friends yeah, their their friends parents and stuff like that everybody but, at the soccer field right yeah but this also i think makes you think about like you know going new places and with the goal of meeting new people mm-hmm. right and i think that you know developing um develop, developing adult relationships are super important i think i think we talked about this in a, in a podcast before but like school for kids creates a very convenient way for them to build friendships, Mm -hmm. right? When you become an adult, it's very different. You either become friends with the people you work with um, or you don't have friends at all, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or you have friends from the past. But rarely is it, uh, do you see that, hey, you you started a friendship because you went on a vacation, right? And you met new people and you decided to exchange information and to actually create a relationship there. I think a lot of people would say that they don't do that. Yeah, I do. you do. And, and if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have friends outside of those things because I'm just not right. that person. Well, right? if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have friends, but I would have friends. <laughs> right. But that's what I'm <laughs> just <to> kidding. <laughs> but I do. I meet friends everywhere. Like right. I went golfing in Santa Barbara this week and made a really cool friend. Right. right. Um, make friends at the gym. I do think that like if you've been focused on, you know, I don't have time because the kids are always demanding time from you or they need you for something. I think it's a great way to like reframe, like I get to now spend time rebuilding my relationships. Right. And I think it's a cool place to be at. Um, The next thing is practicing self-care. And I positioned this to the women that were there as like, All of the things you want to do, but your kids are too little and maybe you can't afford it. You don't have time for it. It's too noisy in the house, whatever it may be. The like one thing that comes to mind, like I didn't get my nails done for 20 years while we were raising kids. Why? It wasn't in the budget, wasn't something I had time for. I didn't get my lashes done because it was like two hours to go get a fill, like just things like that that I just didn't have time to do. 
Um, so whether it's like now I can actually start a meditation practice because mm. no one's getting ready in the morning, like, you know, asking what's for breakfast or where's this or arguing over clothes. And so I think that that's something that you could shift into. Like, what could you do to practice more self-care, prioritize your own emotional well-being? Um, that could be exercise. Like, there's no excuses now. Go to the gym, right? right? And I had told these women, like, again, if you have kids that are even small, you still need to yeah. prioritize your health because they want to look at or they don't even know that they want to, but they will look to you as a role model. Yeah. And so if you're not making time to practice your own like self-care and wellness practices like daily exercise or doing something calm, meditate or relaxing, then don't expect that they're going to have, you know, this already baked in them when they go off to college and they're super stressed. They're going to be eating all the junk food and also not working out because they didn't see that that was instilled in them. Yeah. And, and God, I can go all day on I that, know. but the self-care I think is so important because you know, life will throw so many things at you. And if you, if you teach your kids that the proactive approach is physical health and mental health and doing things like meditation and exercise will also get you ahead of those things and make you and create a situation where they, you can endure it. Mm -hmm. That's the thing you want from them. And so you have to make sure that you haven't lost that because I think when your kids go away, it, it could be a mental um, challenge for you. Yeah. And so focusing on your self-care gives you a place to go back, like almost to the place when you were young of saying, hey, how can I focus on me a little mm -hmm. bit, right? And, and really try to find out who I am now or who I want to be for the next you know, 20, 30 years yeah. um, where you've, you know, before that you were invested so much in your kids. Yeah. I love that. Which leads me into number six um, or number seven, rediscover yourself. Yeah. Right. So like heck what, <laughs> what, well, what old hobbies or interests did you have that maybe you put aside? Like I haven't told you, but well, you do know that when I was in my twenties, I was like salsa dancing. I literally wanted to be a professional salsa dancer and travel the world. And like, that's all I wanted to do. It's not too late, but I haven't told you, like, I think we should take some sort of like salsa class so that way we can do something fun together and i don't know it'd just be fun okay do you want to salsa with me sure okay let's do it so rediscovering <laughs> yourself i've also been spending a lot of time at like color me mine because it lets <laughs> yeah. me tap into my creativity or throwing clay like just doing something that um lets me be creative and i didn't have a lot of time to do that while i was being a parent because i was doing science projects or whatever, you know, projects that they had to do. So I didn't, I didn't get to do anything really for myself when it came to creativity. Um, golf is something that we've started to do. It helps us like increase our patience. I think again, it's also really cool that our kids get to see that we have hobbies outside of them. Right. And so that was a big conversation at this, you know, uh, event was, what messages are you sending to your kids? Like, do they think that they are the center of your entire universe? Because how does that project to them? Like when they want to go away to college, are you going to fall apart? Like, oh, my mom, she, she doesn't have a spouse. She doesn't date anyone. She doesn't have girlfriends. She doesn't work out. She doesn't have any hobbies. I'm her hobby. Like it also makes your kids feel some type of way. Like they're well, going think, to be abandoning you. Well, yeah, that. But I also think that, when you don't show them that you have a life, that you have interests, then you leave yourself open for them to really disrespect your time mm -hmm. and disrespect your mm -hmm. space, yeah. right? When you represent to them that you have a life, 
right? I think that the, what that does is it makes them like, like really think about, oh, I want to spend time with my mom. I want to spend time with my dad because I know they're really busy. I'm really busy. So mm-hmm. this time is really worth it. Yeah. Otherwise, if you don't and everything kind of, you just freeze life, then they go, oh, you're always there. You're always available. And so they may take for granted mm. the time they spend with you because they don't see you living full out, yeah. right? If you're gone all the time, you're doing things, you're meeting new people, it really, it shows to, to your kids, oh, they have a life. And then when you say you want to spend time with them, they know that, oh, this is precious time because they have a life, I have a yeah. life, and this is an important time. You know, it's funny because I talked to the women at this event about, like, we spend their whole lives, the little kids, making them feel like they're the main characters. Right. <laughs> but really, we need to be the main characters. Like, your right. kids need to know that you are the main character in your story. And you need to raise them to understand that they are the main character in their story. They're just a co-star. <laughs> well, they're, of course, co-star in your story, right? <laughs> and so, like, that's a concept that sparked a lot of conversation. Like, moms, I don't think, think that they're the main character. Right. And so I challenged a couple of them, like, you need main character energy. What would need to happen in order for you to make yourself your own main character? That doesn't mean neglect your kids and start putting yourself first. But that means like I think it's healthy for your kids to see that you have a life outside of them. And so I challenge some of the women like what does that look like? How do you send the message to your kids that you are important and you are the main character and that you will be fine without them? Yeah. And so whether that's taking a dance class or going to the gym or having a girlfriend getaway, like doing something to show that you have a life without them, I Mm -hmm. think is super important. Um, the next thing, enjoy the quiet. I know that sounds like crazy, but it's going to feel strange. Like our house is definitely more, more quiet, but right now, like we recently found our 20 year old camcorder Yeah, and there are tapes, you guys that like footage on these tapes. First of all, we can't even believe the camcorder still works. Right. And when you hit play for the first time and we heard their little voices at, you know, baby stage, uh three and what three and five like literally your heart hurts and you're like oh my god do you remember when our house was this loud do Mm -hmm. you remember what they sounded like so just kind of fun sidebar we're like you're trans what are you transferring like all of the stuff from the tapes to the hard drive yeah Yeah. and that's been really cool to listen to it has and it's it's one of those things where one you go why don't i remember any of this stuff right we've got footage that you just go yeah. I, I filmed this. Who was holding a camcorder? Right. And, you know, you know, it's well, a, there's footage. You're like, wait, this person's been to our house in our pool. Yeah, right. Like, we didn't even know that. Right. You know, we're like, wait, we had a camcorder at the hospital when like we were leaving to take Jordan. I home. literally thought like, something was wrong with me. I said, you know, there's no way yeah. I don't remember this. You, you said, know? have you ever seen this footage in your life? I said, if somebody <laughs> bet me a million dollars that I had a, a camcorder at the hospital, I'd be like, no, no. But we so did. anyways, yeah. So find a way to enjoy the quiet and then appreciate like the fact that you have an empty home and it is quiet and it is probably um, a little weird, but also it can be super enjoyable if you think back to how noisy at one point it used to be. But the one thing that I advised them to do is like try not to fill all of the moments in the quiet, right? Mm. Like use that downtime to do something for yourself. Um, Don't fill it with a new puppy or more responsibilities or more things that are just going to add more stress to your life. Like take a moment to actually enjoy the quiet and not distract yourself. I Mm. think that's super important. Read a book. Yeah. Read a book. So 
Love that. Um, there's a woman who's new to Passion and Profit, our master class, our business class. She um, said today that she was a nurse for 30 years and then retired and wanted to get into something fun and creative. So she bought a bakery and now she's just like totally overworked and stressed out because she's got a food truck, all these employees. And she's like, yeah, this isn't what I actually thought I would be doing in my retired years. Mm. And so be careful that you don't overcommit to a a very big project that takes you away from enjoying the season in your life. Yeah. I think that's super important. Yeah. Um, what were you going to say? Something? I was, it, well, it's interesting because I think that that you can look at that in two different ways, right? So you can say, Hey, I don't want to, there's the quiet, enjoy the quiet. It's quiet out here. Let me think about Hamilton. <laughs> Hamilton. Um, but I also think that, you know, you can't stop, right? Like there may be things that yeah. right now you are putting off, because you're raising kids mm -hmm. and then when they're done like you know there's tons of excuses why you would not re resume that thing mm -hmm. but i do think that if you do have something you've been like hey i want I, like i'm okay with saying i'm gonna wait to do this and then as soon as the kids are grown then i'm gonna pursue it then i think you got to go full force even if it's hard yeah. because the pursuit of things are the things that you're going to be the most proud of when this when time is up right and so i think there's two ways to look at that. But yeah. I agree with you. You can't just fill it for just filling a sake. I think if there's if there's something that you said, hey, I I actually pushed this off and now it's time to go after it. Yeah. You should do it. Like a degree. A degree, mm -hmm. you know, a business opportunity, yeah. like all those different things that you've kind of put off. This, go now's all the time. In. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, number nine, manage your personal expectations. There were so many conversations about well, how much involvement do I still have? Like, do, should they still run things past me? Like, do I still need to track their location and like monitor their every move to keep them safe? And the answer to that is no. Like, you do not need to do that because hopefully you will have instilled really great skills in them. And you're them. not Batman. Yeah, how are you going to keep them safe? Well, it's I don't know if it's your job to keep them safe when they're away at college. Like, right. it's their job now to kind of like show you that they've got the skills to keep themselves safe. Right. Right, right. And we'll talk more about that in the next episode. But the next thing is like seek support. If you're struggling, obviously reach out to your friends, family. Maybe it's time to see a therapist or a professional of some sort to work through like some of the things that you might be feeling. Yeah, like that's kid, always good. Oh, yeah. The kids do damage to you. So you got to yeah. go get help. So speaking <laughs> of damage, the last one that I brought up, which is a really touchy subject, is prepare for tough conversations with your kids. Mm. I think when your kids leave um, and they start to experience the world and they're around different peers, especially if they're in another country or state and the beliefs in that state might be different. Maybe you raise them to be Republican. Be prepared for them to come back with some more liberal, you know, conversations right. or debates. And so and often, so often I see parents getting really triggered and upset. Like, that's not what I taught you. And the thing is, is you're not supposed to create an extension of you when you're raising kids. You're supposed to create um, an individual and allow them to kind right. of experience the world as they see fit. Right. And so whether that's religious beliefs, like one woman said, you know, I raised my three children to have a good solid foundation and faith. And it really pains me that they're not religious. Right. Like they right. don't believe in God anymore. Right. And I've done something wrong, right? That's like a deep conversation. But politics, worldviews, religion, all of those things are super challenging if you think that 
just because you believe it, they have to share the same belief. That's not actually not how happen. it works. Yeah. And you know, and it's so interesting how we just want everyone to be like us. Yeah. Right. I mean, even as parents, we want our kids to be just like us because it's easy. Mm-hmm. It's convenient. Mm-hmm. You, you know, we believe the same things. We can do all this stuff. But the reality is, is that naturally when you're older, you're slightly more conservative around things. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and that could be around anything. Right. Yeah. And as you get older, usually that's what happens. People get more and more conservative because they get more and more fixed in what they think is right. Mm-hmm. All right. But as kids and in, in, in young people, by inherently, they're progressive. They're mm-hmm. pushing the envelope. They're stretching what they've been taught. They're championing they're cha- change. They're championing change. They're challenging what their parents told them to see. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Because now they have more information than the, the four walls of their home. And you have to, as a parent, be okay with that. Yeah. And you also have to be okay that they come back and they say, no, I actually disagree with what you've been telling right. me for the last 20 years, mm-hmm. right? I think what you've been telling me is just what you've been told mm-hmm. and, be, and because your parents were told, right? And so that cycle gets broken, but it's a huge opportunity if you're open to it for new ideas, yeah. to, for your kids to actually start to teach you things. Yeah, I love and, it. And that is, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. And I think that I think too many people are like, they push that away and yeah. they don't want, you know who's really great at like learning from their kids? Who? Your dad. Like oh, he's, yeah. He's so like, you know, he has his his mm-hmm. belief systems but he's still open to like oh my kids have the ability to teach me something yeah. new he actually commends us all the time yeah, he's like sure. anytime i spend time with you guys i wind up leaving smarter i've got a 100%. new outlook on the world and i'm just so proud of that you're right yeah. shout out dad yeah. that was really good he was in the previous episode but the last thing i'll say about preparing for tough conversations this one's gonna hurt a little bit is your kids are going to blame you for something. They're going to blame you for some sort of childhood trauma that you've caused in their lives. And just like you wish that your parents would have done different things. Maybe you got spanked when you were a kid and you wish that they would have talked to you, right? right? Well, that's kind of the case with us. And then we talk to them and then they hated the talking to, right? And so you're going to do things that your kids are going to challenge you on. Like, why did you do this? Like, this ruined me. And I'll just say be prepared for that because nobody is a perfect parent and you got to own it. And I think the best thing you can do is apologize in a loving way. Explain to them that you did the best you could with the knowledge that you had, but you're always willing to be better. Yeah. Total difference in, well, too bad, so sad for you. (laughs) I did the best I could. Take it or leave it. Right. Total difference in, you know, I did the best that I could, but I see where I fell short. And I'm really sorry about that. Yeah. And I also think that like the kids, you know, when they first leave in their first kind of early 20s, you're mm-hmm. going to get that. Like, yeah. why didn't you do this? You know, this is why I'm like this. Right. And then I think when they you say this quite often, when they have kids or when they get older, yeah. all of a sudden it turns into gratitude. Like, I'm glad you did do that. Yeah. Right. Because now I actually see. And so, I mean, that's the selflessness of being a parent. Yeah. It's like you do things that you probably won't be recognized for until way, way after, like, yeah. you know, they're way, way <laughs> right, after until they get much, much older. And then they start to realize that, oh, I see what you were trying yeah. to do there because life in, you know, life, all will, were, teach them. life will teach them and, the, and it, it will, all those things will come full circle. So I think those things are super important. Yeah. So that's all I got. It was that's a really great conversation, but I think we're going to finish it in the next episode where we're, where we will talk about the things that you should be instilling in your kids, like the checklist to know that they are capable of 
taking on the world without you. So uh, let us know if there was a key takeaway for you from this episode. I hope it served you guys and we will see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Push through. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review. You leave your handle and until next time push through